Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God and with men. We are glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. Matthew chapter 5, reading from verse number 13, the Bible says, Ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its savor, where we shall it be salted? It shall henceforth be it is it is henceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. Ye are the lights of the world. A city that is set on hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Then verse number 16, very important. He said, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. I want you to go back and look at verse number 13 of that same of that chapter that we've just read. The Bible says, Ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its savor, where we shall it be salted? It is henceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. In other words, if the church, if we who are called by the name of Christ, if we who are believers, who are supposed to be safe setters, who are supposed to be the people that are supposed that the world is supposed to be looking up to, he said, if we lose our edge, if we lose our integrity, if we lose that particular unique quality that separates us from the rest of the world, if we do that and we become like other men and we become like just ordinary members of the community and we are full of anger, we are full of pride, we are full of selfishness, we are full of hatred, we are full of all manners of evil, the Bible is saying to us that we will lose our ability to influence the world. We will lose our ability to lead the world. We lose our possibility. We lose our ability to possibly keep, possibly make a difference in our own little corner. We lose the special privilege that heaven has given unto us, and we will no longer be taken seriously by the world. We will no longer be taken seriously by the world. Today, many of us talk about the decadence in our society. We talk about the corruption in government. We talk about immorality in the media. We talk about hostility towards God in the public space. And the question, you know, but no one is asking the crucial question. And in my point of view, from my point of view, the crucial question is, where it was the church when all this was happening? Where are the believers when all this is happening? When the seed of this terrible, of the, of the decadence in our society were being sown, where were the Christians? Where, where, where was the church? When the foundation of all this misbehavior in our society is being, you know, it, it was, being, it was, was being built, where was the church? Where are the believers? How did the society who was suppo- that was supposedly founded on the principle of the gospel degenerate to such a level that we find ourselves right now? What happened? Where was the church? And the simple answer is, Christians stopped being the salt of the world. And because we stopped being the salt, because we stopped being the light, the world all, the world right now is the way it is. Because the, we, the church, dropped the ball. Okay? As believers, as believers, we have a responsibility. As a church, we have a responsibility not only to educate ourselves, but also to live a life that will bring glory to the Almighty God. 
it is all that is why here at Lifelong Anointing Church, one of our commitments is that we model the values of our church, model the value of our church, and one of the value, one of the more the values that we model is that we study the word of God purposefully. Not just study it haphazardly. You study it purposefully. You embrace the spirit of the Almighty God passionately. We talked about it this morning in our life class. Where we talked about the fact that the Holy Spirit is all you need. Outside of the Holy Spirit you cannot do anything. And if you try to do it you are simply wasting your time. And say we pray persistently and we live our lives intentionally. But the point is that we value, we model the value of the church. Hosea chapter chapter 4, reading from verse number 6, the Bible tells us there. He said, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee. That thou shalt not be priest unto me. Seeing that thou hast forgotten the laws of thy God, I will also forget their children. Thy children. And you can see the fulfillment of this particular prophecy, this particular verse of the scripture, in the way that our youths are living. When because the parents and those of us who have been born in the church, who are working in the church, because we have not lived up to the billings that God has made available, that, that the, the things that God has given unto us, our children, are, we are beginning to see the results in our children. Amos 8 verse, 8, Amos 8 verse 11 tells us, Behold the day come, said the Lord, Behold the day come, said the Lord God. That I will send a famine of the a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, not of the no, 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 thirst for water, but of the hearing of the word of God. And that they will wander from sea to sea and from the north even to the west, to the east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord and shall not find it. And in that day shall the fair virgins and the young men faint for thirst. In other words, there is a multiplicity of churches every corner, but you find out that the true, true righteousness, true holiness, true godliness is very, very few. It's very scarce in the house of God. Yes. Going back to Matthew chapter 5, the Bible tells us there, it says, ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt lose its savor, where we shall it be salted? It shall henceforth be good for nothing, but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. Ye are the light of the world, a city that cannot be that, can, that is set on, uh, on the hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under the bushel, but on a candlestick and it giveth light unto all that in the house. Let your light therefore shine. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. The question is, what happened to those of us who are supposed to be the lights? And the salt of this earth. What happened? How was how is it that the salt has lost its savor in this generation? How is it that the light can no longer give light to this dark world? Why has the church in this generation lost its influence in our society? What happened to the salt and the light of this generation? And that's basically the question. Because it's one thing for us to be a part of a church. It's another thing to be a part of the church universal. It's one thing for us to be able to, to have a certificate given unto us. It's another thing for us to receive the approval of heaven. It's another thing for us to say, yes, we are identified with this local church and the pastor knows us. It is another thing for heaven to know us and for God himself to welcome us, welcome us into his presence. What happened to the light and to the salt and light in this generation? I will suggest three things for us very quickly this morning. And the first thing that happened, in my opinion, what happened to the church, the first thing that happened is that we had what is called a confused identity. A confused identity. Today, the people of God cannot even agree as to who a Christian is. You would think it's a very simple question when you ask them, who is a Christian? 
And if I ask the question here today, we are going to get different, different answers. You will expect that the question that is so simple and that's so central to our faith will have a universal answer. But the church cannot even agree as to who a Christian is. Because we want to be inclusive. The church is not defining Christian as anybody who comes into their door and anybody who subscribes to their, to their teaching. They consider that to be, to be a Christian. But the Bible tells us in the book of James, if you read from verse 19, the Bible says, Thou believeth that there is one God, thou does well. The devil also believes and trembles. The devil don't just believe, the devil trembles. Does that make the devil a Christian? Does that make the devil a Christian? The fact that the devil believes that there is a God. And there are people who say, Yes, I believe in God. Does that make them a Christian? Okay? Now, if we cannot agree on the definition of a Christian or who, or who is a Christian or what makes you a Christian, how in the world are we going to positively influence the world around us to the cause of Christ? How are we going to do it? Our society is not seeing the impact of the church. It's not seeing the impact of a believer. It's not seeing the impact of a Christian because they don't even know who the Christians are. They don't even know who they are. When the world cannot see the difference between the people who believe in God and people who do not believe in God. When they cannot see the difference in our life before we came to Christ and our life after we came to Christ. When they cannot tell the difference, how are we going to influence them? How are we going to influence them? What happened to the salt and light? The second thing that happened in my own opinion is this. The second thing that happened is that Christians in this generation, that, you know, they began to compromise the standard of the eternal word of God began to compromise the standard of the word of God. The interesting thing is that when you, comprom- when you confuse the identity of an individual, what results is a fluid Christian standard. When people have a problem defining their identity, when people have, do not know who they are, they tend to begin to have what is called a complex, inferiority complex, and they begin to seek validation from strange places. It happens in the life of an individual, it happens in the life of a church also. When the church does not know who we are, when we don't know who we are in Christ, we will begin to we will begin to compromise our standard so that we can gain acceptance all around the world. That is why it is not surprising that the church today we can minister to all sorts of people and begin to bring you. We can say we, we, we can we can lower our standard just because we want people to come in. Ministers of God now believe that and believe and teach that there is no need for one to recognize their personal sins, no need for repentance, no need for the crucifixion of self, just because we want to bring them in. We find out that we know the, the, the church is now teaching that what we need to do is to impress the unchurch so that they can, you know, we can find out what impresses the unchurch in our community and do it so that they can come into the house of God. Ministers of God are teaching that perception must be changed. From viewing people as saved or lost to unchurched and churched. What does that mean? Church and unchurched. And that is what we're thinking today. Ministers are beginning to say that in order for you to have your church filled up, all you have to do is to be able to bring popular heroes to attract people to your church. Not the word of God. They are telling us that we should begin to employ successful principles of retailing, successful principles of marketing, inventory control, cash flow control, and do all those things so that we can begin to bring people. I actually have a meeting here. I had a meeting here, some, I think, uh, about a year ago with a couple of ministers. And one of the ministers was telling me that doctrines separate, so you don't teach doctrines in churches. I say, is that so? If you don't teach the word of God, what else do you do in church? What else do we do in church? 
and we now have people who say that do not preach expository sermon. You can, you know, you only win them after you build a relationship with them. How do you build a relationship with somebody who doesn't even know what you believe? I'm saying this because the church of God in this particular community, if we are going to reach the community out there, if we are going to be able to make a difference in their life, if we are going to be able to speak the word of God into their life that will transform their life and cause an eternal change, we must not only know who we are, we must understand the message that we are preaching. And this is not just a message to the outside world. It must be a message to yourself. What do you believe? Because Christianity, I keep telling people, is not magic. It is a simple word of God. And this word will only work for us if we believe it and if we live it. And we cannot live it just by being or just by mere profession. It has to be by the way we live our lives on a daily basis. We cannot make any impact. The church will not make any difference in the world if the body of Christ continues to preach nonsense and continues to believe nonsense. Why would the world take the gospel seriously if, 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 if the people who are supposed to speak for the church do not even know their own gospel? Why would the world take us seriously if we are, if we are preaching a watered-down message? Why would they even take us seriously? Why would they even want to be associated with us? Paul the Apostle said in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 14, he said, if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, he said, who will prepare for battle? In other words, if you come in here and somebody is saying this, another one is saying this, they will just say, you people need to get your act together before you come outside and preach. And the same thing in our own individual lives. What we believe matters. And the way we live our lives matter because it is not whether you are whether your names have been inscribed on the on the on the registry of a particular church. It is how God sees you as an individual. Do you have a relationship with Him? Do we have a relationship with Him? If we don't know what if if we, if we don't know what we are doing, what we are saying, if we are inconsistent in our life, if we are inconsistent in the message that we preach, if we don't even have a, a consistent projection of the word of God to the outside world, how in the world do we expect the world to respond to the message of Christ? How do they want to see us as the light? How are we going to influence the world for the cause of Christ? How do we expect them to come to the saving grace? The Christian message must be uncompromisingly clear. If it's going to have his desired effects. And that is why you look at Jesus Christ. Anytime people come to him. He will always tell them. I mean look at it. When, they, uh, when John the Baptist. After, after Jesus Christ was baptized. And the, the disciples saw Jesus Christ. They said oh who is that guy. He said that's the Lamb of God. And then Jesus Christ came to. And they came to the Lord Jesus Christ. And said well, what are you looking for? Ordinarily for somebody who is just starting a ministry. And they want the following. They will encourage everybody to come in. But Jesus asked them what are you looking for? The man that came to the Lord Jesus Christ said, well, remember, birds have free, birds have necks, foxes have hope, but the Son of Man doesn't have a place to lay his head. That rich man came. I mean, if I have a millionaire walking to this church right now, man, oh man, I would, and you will see me do some gymnastics that you think I'm capable of doing. The point I'm making is that I will try to make him comfortable. But when that particular rich young ruler came to the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ told him, "What you know, here, go and sell all that you have and come and follow me. In other words, the Lord is is trying to let people understand what you are about to sign up for. It is not a walk in the park. What you are about to sign up for is not something that says, claim it and believe it. The Bible says that those who will walk with the Almighty God will suffer persecution. That is what you are are signing up for. 
The Lord is saying that anyone who puts his hands upon the plow and looks back is not worthy of him. That is what you are signing up for. The Lord is not trying to sugarcoat the, 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 the message of the cross. He's not trying to tell you that you will believe in something so that let us get them in. Let us get them in. When they get in, we begin to open it. No, that's not the that's not the strategy of the gospel. The Lord is saying, this is what you are about to sign up for. Make up your mind whether you want to come or not. And unless you as an individual fully appreciate and fully see what the gospel is all about and then deliberately make up your mind that this is what you want to do, there is a tendency, there is a, there's a possibility that when you eventually get in and you begin to see the reality of the gospel unravel, you might begin to wonder, what did I sign up for? So the Christian message must be uncompromisingly clear to have its desired effect. If we are going to be the salt of this world, if we are going to be the light of this world, we must be willing to take a stand for the truth. And it's not going to be comfortable. It's not going to be comfortable. In our individual life, we must be willing to take a stand. In our own little family, we must be willing to take a stand. In our own place of work, we must be willing to take a stand. In our own little corner of the world, we must be willing to take a stand for the truth of the word of God. The fact that a particular idea is popular, the fact that people are running in a particular direction does not make that idea good. It doesn't mean that that idea is right. And let me say it loud and clear. For those of us who have been, who have been very close to me, you have heard me say this, and I'll be pleased, I crave your indulgence, I'll say it again. If your faith does not take anything from you that is from the old life, if your work with the Lord does not require you to give up anything, I have said it a million times and I'll say it again. It means there are two possibilities. It's either you have not met Jesus or you met the wrong one. Because there is no way you will meet Jesus and remain the same. It's just not possible. There is no way you will say you are born again and something will not change in your life. Something, no matter how small. You might, be, you might have been a very virtuous person. You might have been a very good person. A moral person. An upstanding, all right, all, 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 all upstanding person. But one thing, the day you meet the Lord Jesus, something changes. And if nothing changes, you need to check that thing. And I always say this thing. If the faith that does not take anything from you is a faith that is not taking you anywhere. I can assure you. A faith that does not take anything from your life is a faith that does not take you anywhere. The Bible tells us in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, in verse number 17, the Bible says, If any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. All things have passed away, all things have become new. My brothers and sisters, because we lost our identity, because we are no longer sure of who we are, and therefore we are not sure of the message of redemption that we are preaching to other people. And the third and final thing that I think happened to Christians in this generation that caused them to do what? To become to, to lose the salt, their saltiness and their, and their ability to light up their little corner is because they came to Christ with conflicting messages. They came to Christ with conflicting message. It may shock you to know that your salvation is not intended to make you rich. I hope you know that. The fact that you are born again does not mean you are going to be a millionaire. Okay? The fact salvation is not intended to make you tr- to make your life trouble free, okay? As the self-esteem pro- prosperity preachers will want you to believe, salvation is not intended to make your life trouble free, okay? Yes, God can make you rich, no question about that. God can heal your body, no question about that. God can you know can save your life and give you a good life. There is no question about that. But the purpose of salvation is not to make you rich. It's not to heal you. It's not to make you. you know, it's not just not to make you have a good life. What then is the purpose of salvation? 
The Bible makes us to understand in the book of Matthew chapter 1. It reading from verse 21. It says, And she shall bring forth a son, and I shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. That's it. So if you come to church believing that when you come, you are going to find a husband. Or when you come to church, you are going to find a wife. Or when you come to church, you are going to be a millionaire. Or when you come to church, you are going to get this or you are going to get that. If that is the reason why you came to church, you have missed it. Because the purpose of salvation, the purpose of Christ's coming is number one, to deliver you from your sin. Number two, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, reading from verse 11, say, say, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. In other words, to escape the final judgment. And then number three, to give us eternal life. John chapter 14, reading from verse number one, he said, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and I prepare a place for you, I will come again and give you and receive you unto myself that where I am there you may be also the purpose of salvation is not to make you rich the purpose of salvation is not to give you a free life purpose of salvation is not for you to put your life on cruise control and throw your hands back and just enjoy God God doing all the right that's not the purpose of salvation the purpose is to be able to have built a relationship between you and God that was severed when sin came into the issue of man when we have all these things mixed up, when we have our ideas mixed up, when we have our intentions mixed up, when we have our, our, our agenda mixed up, when we come to church, we end up having this particular idea that God's existence is to make you happy. That's what people think. They come to church and they believe, God, why are you doing this to me? Why me? Eh? God, if you don't bless me, I'm not going to come to church tomorrow. Oh, I see that we change anything. <laughs> We, you know, when we have all these things mixed up, that's when we think that God's job is to do, you know, is to do our will. You know, the Bible said that God made, you know, God made man in his own image. In 2017, now we have turned the whole thing around. We have now created God in our own image. So that God has to do our own building. And if he doesn't do it, God is no longer faithful. That is why people think that they are the center of the universe. When they get the whole idea about church upside down. That's when they think that God have to make God and the rest of the world must make them happy. That is not the intention of the church. That is not the purpose of the church. Yes, God will make you happy. Yes, God can take care of your need. Yes, God can meet you at the point of your need. But that is not the central purpose of Jesus Christ coming. That's not the purpose. What is the purpose of you being happy when you are still held up by the yoke of sin? What is the purpose of you being happy when you are going to end up eternally in hell? What is the purpose of you enjoying all the beauties of this world? The Bible says, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul in hell? What is the, what is the benefit of having all the names or, or your name on all the buildings in the country? What is the, best, what is the benefit if you have no relationship with the Almighty God and you have no place in the eternal scheme of things? What is the benefit? The result that we are unable to fulfill our responsibilities as the salt and the light of the world when we have when we come to God with an agenda. When you come believing that God has to do X, Y, and Z for you before you can do X, Y, and Z, before you can do A, B, C. If you come to God with an agenda, definitely you will not be able to you will not be able to be the salt and the light that He wants us to be. My brothers and sisters, when there is a confused identity. That is, you don't know what, who you are in Christ. You will not be able to be the light and the salt of this particular world. When there is a compromise in our standard of living, 
when today we appear like true Christian and in our own little closet we are doing our own little thing. When in the front of the members of the church, oh, we are the most righteous and holy group of people, but in our own little corner, people see us as the little devil. When we go to your place of work and we ask and say, ah, that particular person, ah, that's just good. But here in church, we are the most righteous person. Your hallelujah is the loudest. When we have, when we live, when we have a compromised standard, you will know that you cannot be the light and the salt of this world. When we come to Christ with an with a conflicting interest, you think you, you, you have an agenda for seeking the face of the Almighty God. We don't know why we believe what we believe. You cannot be the light of this particular world. But we don't know what we believe. You don't know what how you, you, don't, you, don't know, you, you don't know who you are, you don't know what you believe, you don't know why you believe. Our influence as Christians will be greatly, greatly diminished. How then can you shine in the light, you know, shine in the dark? In this, dark, in this very dark world, how can you shine? How can you make a positive impact on the world around us? This is going to be one of the strange messages that you hear from me. And that is because I'm not going to answer that question today. I'm going to make sure you come back next week to hear it. <laughs> but I just wanted you to know that the three things has to be settled in our individual lives. And that is, first of all, who are you in Christ? Okay? Who are you in Christ? And not only that, the next thing you are supposed to ask the question is, am I compromising the standard of the Almighty God? And then number three, did I come to the Lord with an agenda? Am I asking God, do I have a particular hidden agenda at the back of my mind when I come to church? And until those three things are resolved, being the light of the world will be an illusion. Because at the end of the day, you will find out that something is constantly weighing you down. I want you to bow your head and talk to the Almighty God. Bow your head and talk to the Almighty. Because it's a very simple question that we need to ask ourselves. Who am I in the Lord? What has Christ done for me? Have I actually met the Lord? Do I actually have a relationship with this God that I'm calling on? Have I compromised the standard in any way? Is there any way that I'm having, I'm living a life that is not glorifying the name of the Lord? In my own little closet, in my own little corner, is there something that is happening in my life that does not glorify the name of the Lord? Do I come to him with a particular agenda? Believing that unless you do this, I will not do this. Believing that unless you visit me, I will not visit you. You you Do we have an agenda for coming to the presence of the Almighty God? Let's open our mouth and just talk to the Almighty God and just say, Lord, here I am. Do what only you can do in my life this morning. Do what only you can do in my life this morning in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we just give you all the praise and we thank you. To you be all the glory, O God. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening.